0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome to issue number 50 of Sake Industry News. Yes, folks, thanks to you all, we have made it to 50 issues of Sake Industry News. It would be fair to say that things haven't gone as we originally foresaw, with COVID presenting itself just a few months after we got started. But we've managed to continue, and we have all of you to thank for helping us reach this milestone. We're going to continue doing our best to bring you the news from the Japanese sake industry, and hope you'll stick with us for the next 50 and beyond. As the World Sake Day hangover clears, it's hard to believe we're already at that time of the year again, where we begin gearing up for the imminent release of new sake, or shinshu, which are bound to start dropping in a matter of weeks. The vast majority of breweries will be all systems go, as they iron out kinks, train new staff, acclimatize to new schedules, and, of course, figure out just how this year's rice is going to behave. On top of all that, the weather has remained uncharacteristically warm despite being halfway into autumn. Hopefully, things will cool down and let those sake-making enzymes do their thing as best they can. We're looking forward to a positive and prosperous season for all the kura that are out there. And now, here's the news. Our first story, By the Power of Koji. From Tokyo, as recognition of the wonders of koji and its role in the production of traditional Japanese alcoholic beverages, sake made with koji mold has been included in UNESCO's Japanese Intangible Cultural Heritage List. The announcement came today from the JSS, who have been lobbying in the Agency for Cultural Affairs for inclusion on the prestigious list. By definition, outlined in the acknowledgement, alcohol made with koji mold also covers shochu, awamori, and hon mirin, as well as nihonshu, also known as seishu, or sake. JSS hopes the recognition will drive further focus on Japan's national beverages and the history-laden techniques behind them. They have also pledged to preserve and improve on these techniques moving forward. I was privileged to work as a reviewer for the text for this project. It's quite thorough and educational. If you can read Japanese, it's certainly worth seeking and reading. Next, Hakutsuru. Go solo, in Hyogo Prefecture. As of September 27th, Hakutsuru Shuzo has converted to solar-powered electricity for its main brewing facility. The roof of HQ Number no. Three Plant has been fitted with 381 solar panels, producing enough electricity to power 30 households. The Number no. Three Plant is the largest of Hakutsuru's brewing facilities, and is where some of the brewery's major brands are produced, including Maru, Josen Hakutsuru. Sen Hakutsuru Namachozo Toksen Tokubetsu Junmai This isn't Hakutsuru's first foray into solar energy either. The brewery's bottling facility, which was constructed in 2012, has been running on solar power since 2015. These solar power upgrades are part of Hakutsuru Shuzo's ongoing commitment to its sustainable development goals. I'm actually quite impressed with this, and although I've been to Hakutsuru many times, I wasn't aware of this effort on their part. Their sheer scale of operations makes us quite amazing. Thanks to Hakutsuru for this effort. And next, staying right there, the Hakutsuru Nishiki report. On the topic of Hakutsuru, on September 22nd, Hakutsuru Shuzo held its annual Hakutsuru Nishiki Summit 2021. The meeting is an opportunity for brewers that use Hakutsuru's proprietary sake rice, Hakutsuru Nishiki, to discuss the quality and performance of the rice in the previous year's sake. Development of Hakutsuru Nishiki first began in the 90s and was created by crossbreeding Yamada Ho and Wataribune rice, the same parentage as Yamada Nishiki. The new rice was officially released in 2007. Since its release, several well-known breweries across Japan have taken to experimenting with the rice variety, including Juyondai, Toyo Azumaichi, Azumaichi, Zaku, Kudoki Jozu, Uenishiki, Momokawa, Abekan, Atagaromatsu, and Ugonotski. During the summit, which was held online this year as opposed to the usual event at Hakatsuru's Nada offices, brewers gathered to discuss the performance of the 2020 harvest of Hakatsuru Nishiki. Hakotsuru Nishiki has a larger grain size in shimpaku compared to Yamada Nishiki and has proven over the years to be high-quality and relatively facile for brewers in the sake production. Most brewers agreed the quality of the 2020 harvest was quite good, with much less cracking in the grains than other varieties. Takagi Shuzo, brewers of Ju-yondai, described the 2020 harvest as softer than the 2019 crop. There were fewer cracks in the genmai, or unmilled rice, and the water absorption rate was consistent with the previous year. Dissolution of the maromi was very good. Hakatsura Shuzo said of the 2020 crop, This year other varieties had poor dissolution, but Hakatsura Nishiki performed well. The management of the moromi was simple and trouble-free. Sake produced with Hakatsura Nishiki showed clean and refreshing flavors. The fact that this rice comes from the same parentage as Yamadanishki makes me wonder just how many other great offspring could result from even more experimentation. Next, number eight is alive. In Yamaguchi Prefecture, for the second year in a row, Murashige Shuzo has released Eight Nat, a special series of sake brewed using association number eight yeast, which was discontinued in 1977. Association Yeast No. 8 is considered to be slower than other yeasts at converting sugars to alcohol. When it was used in the past, it was known to produce robust sake with defined acidity, which was somewhat out of step at a time when light, clean, and dry sake was popular. Having fallen out of favor with brewers, the yeast was discontinued in 1977 and subsequently archived by the Brewing Society of Japan. Murashige Shuzo decided upon the idea of reviving number no. 8 yeast after noticing the increase in the consumption of Western-style cuisine in Japan. It was thought the robust nature of sake produced with number no. 8 could work well alongside these Western dishes. The brewery first purchased strains of number no. 8 in 2003 and began releasing sake made with the yeast in 2017. When the 8-NAT series was first released in 2020, its popularity saw the brewery exceed its initial sales target by more than 1,300%. The series is made up of two labels, To-o and Shironeri. However, brewing specs are kept unlisted on the label in order to encourage drinkers to enjoy the sake on its own merits without any preconceptions. The name comes from the 8-NAT rope tying method, often used in sailing and rock climbing. The strength of the knot is symbolic of the strong tie between the brewery and its consumers. For now, the sake is being made available to supporters of Murashige Shuzo's crowdfunding drive on makuake. However, eight gnat's will be released to the general public in February of 2022. History and innovation together, the best of both expressed in the sake world again. Next, how low can you go for Kame no O in Hyogo Prefecture? Tanaka Shuzojo has released Junmai Daiginjo Kami no Ko Kotobuki Kame made using Kami no O rice polished down to 6.6%. The sake went on sale on October 1st. The brewery has been brewing Kami no Kou since 1998 when it started with a Burai of 50%. By the 7th year of its release, the Buai had dropped to 10% before hitting 69 last year. It took almost 10 days for the artificial diamond blade used in the m- milling machine to polish the rice down to 6.6%, leaving the rice grains with a diameter of less than one millimeter. The Kame O rice was grown locally in the Hino region. Kame O has a rich history as an heirloom rice, in other words, a pure rice variety, not a result of crossbreeding with another rice strain, having first been discovered in Yamagata Prefecture in 1893. Kamino O is actually not considered a sake rice and is often consumed as a table rice. The story and flavor of Kamino O enticed president of Tanaka Shuzo, Yasuhiro Tanaka, who decided to utilize its unique characteristics to develop the ultimate umami-driven sake. Not yet satisfied with a 6.6% seimaibuai, Tanaka plans on shooting for 5% eventually. Despite the delicate nature one might expect from sake made with such highly milled rice, Tanaka recommends room temperature or lukewarm for enjoying the aroma and flavors of Kamino Kō Kotobuki Kame. Tanaka Jozojo have also produced Junmai Daiginjo Shirasagi no Shiro Enmusubi Yujiu, made with special A-grade Yamada Nishiki, milled to 15.4%. Both sake are limited to only 250 bottles of 720 milliliters each, and require a reservation for purchase. Kamino Kō is 22,000 yen, or about 194 U.S. dollars, and M. Musubi is priced at 27,500 yen, or about 242 U.S. dollars. Attention-getting sake like this has its place and does a great job of drawing more much-needed attention to super-premium sake but 6.6%. Sheesh. And moving right along to the northern part of Japan, sake school yielding good results. In Hokkaido, Hekiungura unveiled its latest sake to the press on September 21st. The sake was brewed at the university's on-campus brewery, which operates as an academic and industrial collaboration with Obihiro University of Agriculture and Veterinary Medicine and Kamikawa Taisetsu. 22-year-old Shuntao Sakai and 21-year-old Mizuki Takayama, both fourth-year students at the university, began working on the sake in May and managed all aspects of the brewing process, including washing and steaming the polished rice and making the koji under the guidance of an experienced toji. A portion of the 1,800 bottles produced will be sold on campus from mid-October. Sakai acknowledged it took a lot of hard physical work to produce the sake, but the end result made it all worthwhile. It's about time that sake production education moves into the educational mainstream. This should have a very beneficial effect on the future of sake, methinks. Next, Tottori targets India's vegans. In Tottori prefecture, seven breweries have made the move to capture India's lucrative vegetarian market by securing vegan certification for their products. India is home to an estimated 420 million vegetarians, a market ripe for the introduction of a vegan-friendly product such as sake. The seven breweries involved in the project banded together and received certification from vegan accreditation provider Veggie Project Japan. There are plans underway to move into export into India and also encourage Indian tourism to Tottori Prefecture. The group hopes the attention it receives in India will help to shine a light on the region's sake at a local level as well. The seven breweries participating in the project are listed in the email version of Sake Industry News. While I think penetrating into that market will take some time and some effort, the vision to get it going is great. Good luck to the brewers of Tottori. And next, the U.S. national sake appraisal results are in. In the United States, the results of the U.S. National Sake Appraisal have been announced. Since 2001, the appraisal and its accompanying Joy of Sake event have been showcasing some of Japan's best sake on offer to a wider audience overseas. The year's Grand Prix winners, the top in each category, have been announced and can be read in the email version of Sake Industry News. Of particular interest to me was the fact that daifuku won the junmaishu category and was made with a flour yeast very cool next some industry stirrings in kanagawa prefecture kumazawa shuzo is known for craft beer as well as sake but more recently the brewery has added cola to this portfolio made with sake kasu or lees kuramoto cola was first developed in May 2021 as a counter to the sales drop in sake in beer from the COVID-19 pandemic. After experimenting with a variety of spices, the key ingredient in the cola ended up being sake kasu. The cola uses nerikasu, or kneaded lees, which differs somewhat from fresh sake kasu in that it's matured and takes on a brownish tinge. Nerikasu is often used in fermenting condiments. Brewers have found that the acidity from Nerikasu aligns well with the citrus fruit syrup in the cola, offering more umami. Despite already releasing Kuramoto Cola, recipe adjustments are still ongoing. The unique and ever-changing taste of the cola has been a great crutch for the brewery's overall drink sales, which have been healthily maintained at 90% of normal sales in the face of the challenges presented by the pandemic. A brilliant market shift by Kumazawa Shuzo, the brewers of Tensei Sake. The main challenge is going to be pronouncing kuramoto Cola. Try saying that ten times. Go on, try it. Next, the Ministry of Health, Labor, and Welfare has released the results of a survey to uncover the drinking habits of its citizens. Although the survey covers the consumption of not just Nihonchu, but alcohol in general, it gives an interesting and surprising insight into where the drinkers are. The survey was conducted in 2019. Niigata Prefecture came out on top with 20.5% of the respondents drinking every day. The rest of the top 10 were as follows. Akita, Hiroshima, Miyazaki, Shimane, Aomori, Yamaguchi, Iwate, Toyama, and Kochi. The percentage assigned to each can be read in the email of an edition of Sake Industry News. Interestingly, the lightweights of the country came from Gifu, Aichi and Tokushima, Shizuoka and Okinawa. Next in Nara prefecture, on October 1st, Umenoyado Shuzo, like many breweries, prayed for safety in the coming brewing year. Significantly for the Umenoyado Shuzo, this will be the last year for the brewery in its current location. The brewery plans to move within Katsuragi City to a new facility in July 2022. The current location and building structures were constructed 128 years ago the brewery will be moving to a more modern and labor-efficient facility. This is huge and nostalgic news for me personally, since Ume was the very first sake brewery I ever visited back in 1994. Back then, Philip Harper was still working there. And the last story in our auspicious 50th issue, what drives modern yeasts? Sake industry news readers are surely aware that I'd like to get technical in this column. However, I like to keep it real, like real in the sense that it's tech that you can use. In other words, stuff you can talk about on the sake street. And that's the intention behind this issue's article, What Drives Modern Yeasts? To start, I needed to define modern yeasts. For the record, I made up that term. It does not officially exist, but the idea does, and so do similar terms. As such, no one would really argue with my usage of it. And what are referred to as modern yeasts are yeast strains that have come into use in, oh, say the last 20 odd years and are markedly different from the varieties of yeast most commonly used before they came along. In particular, those distributed by the Brewing Society of Japan or the Nihon Jozo Kyokai. How are they different? Most relevantly, in the aromas that they produce. Remember, yeast is most closely tied to aromas and vice versa and these modern yeast strains produce markedly different aromas. Concretely speaking, instead of the banana, melon, and grapefruit, commonly found in sake made with more traditional yeasts, which is another term I just made up, modern yeasts lead to more ripe red apple, various tropical fruit, and anise. Lots of anise, in my opinion, but I might be overly anise-sensitive. So, rather than when these yeasts were isolated or developed, I draw the line between the two based on the aromas that they create. There's other differences, too, to be sure. For example, modern yeasts do not encourage a robust fermentation, and traditional yeasts tend to produce more body. But for most of us, what we smell and taste will be what we relate to the most, at least when it comes to yeast. Why are the aromas different? Because the esters that they create are different. Modern yeast strains tend to produce a lot more of something called ethyl caproate, an ester that smells like the aforementioned ripe apple, tropical fruit, and anise and they can produce them in enough volume to make sake very aromatic. These modern yeasts are naturally occurring, but years back, the great Gekkeikan in Kyoto developed a technique to help isolate them. The process involves using an antibiotic called serulinin that, among other effects, inhibits and changes fatty acids. By doing that, the yeasts that are the result of the process create more ethyl caproate. But most yeasts cannot tolerate the presence of serulinin and die off. The ones that are resistant to it are candidates for producing the aforementioned prominent aromas. And, so for this reason, the modern yeasts described here are often referred to as serulinin-resistant yeast strains in the sake brewing industry, or serodonin-taisei-kobo. It's worth mentioning that, as commonly used in aromatic daiginjo as they are, not everybody likes them. Everything is good in the right dose for sure, but some codgers in the sake world much prefer the aromatic profiles more commonly found when traditional yeasts like number 7 and number 9 are used, and I include myself in that number. Several years ago, we began to see breweries slowly move away from the wilder aromas back toward the more staid, balanced profiles of the traditional yeasts. Not a massive swing, mind you, but a gentle one that leaves room for both sets of aromas in the sake world and that's probably a good thing. Another interesting thing to note about these modern ethyl producing serulinin resistant yeasts is that they also produce something called caparatic acid, also seen written as caproic acid. Apparently you can't have one without the other. The problem is that caparatic acid is very bitter and that component can come through in the flavor of a sake with a tropical set of aromas. This bitterness can be countered however with sweetness from glucose that is brought out at the right time, which is near the end of fermentation. How? By adding koji as the yeast peters out so that the sugar the koji creates will not be fermented, but will remain in the final sake. It's also worthwhile to note that straight enzymes can be used for the same purpose at this stage. If done properly, sake made with such yeasts can have very enjoyably ostentatious aromas and a somewhat sweet finish to complement that. Note, too, that this is one reason we hear so much more talk in recent years about the glucose in sake, much more than we did even a decade ago. But also, it's important to note that super aromatic sake is not as popular as it was that scant decade ago. Juicier sake, with a mouth-watering balance of sweetness and acidity, has supplanted that a bit. Naturally, having both styles available to us is part of the fun of sake. So the next time you run into ripe apple and anise in a sake on the street, you can confidently smile and say, ah, another cellulin resistant yeast. And with that, we wrap up the auspicious 50th issue of Sake Industry News. Thank you sincerely from everyone here at Sake Industry News for reading and listening along with us across these past two years. We hope you've enjoyed the ride thus far, and please stick with us for the next 50 issues as well. And for the next fortnight, be well and enjoy your sake. Kampai.